Hello and welcome to Mop Bites, episode 79. I'm Elaine Charles and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Thomas. In this episode, the good, the bad, the ugly, but more on I work later. First, the Evernote socks. Hands up, who's bought them? No, I'm sitting on my hands. I'm not going to discuss that at this early stage in the show. <laughs> well, Lynn Chan from Hong Kong did right and she said she thought they'd go well with a MacBytes thong. Really? I'll let you think about that for a while, but I thought... Depends really where you're putting the socks. Yeah, let's not take that one any further. No, why not? Anyway, over to you. Okay, we heard from Jonathan and Jonathan said, uh, can you print from 1Password4? I think that's probably in relation to the fact we discussed uh, 1Password in the last show. We did, and I'm loving 1Password4. I'm I'm loving it. Me too. I I miss the features. uh, Initially, you think, well, it does the same job. So do I really need to update? I mean, obviously, for security, you might do. And the feature set's so subtle, the changes. But when I go back to a machine that can't take 1Password 4, I miss them all. So uh, loving 1Password 4. Right, so can you print from 1Password? Uh, initially, no, you couldn't print from 1Password 4. I can't remember if you can from 3. And I don't have it on this machine, or I'd check. Oh, I'm badly prepared today. But hey, it's Christmas Eve, and I may be slightly merry. But anyway, no, you couldn't print from 1Password 4. But now, with a, a point update, which only came out a couple of weeks ago, you can. So in answer to Jonathan, yes, you now can. So I hope that is uh, useful. I'm wondering if it actually prints the passwords out as well. What do you think? Don't know. I need to look at that, don't mm. I? Yeah, I will. But you can actually print. What you can print, wouldn't like to confirm, but you can print. That's new. Yeah, we also heard from Gaz, who said his Siri 2 has had man flu and many other comments from those installing iOS 7 after the initial rush. Apple could have done a better job of explaining it. You could have left that ad. Apple could have done a better job. Amateurs. <laughs> but onward with all things Apple. Yes, we did a MacBytes Live, absolutely had a ball. And um, their next job was installing Mavericks. Yes, it's been that long since the show, but I'm not going to mention that. It'll only upset Minster. And I wouldn't want to do that on Christmas Day. Right, so Mavericks. I actually thought the install was painless. I did, were you there when I downloaded it? Don't think so. I'm never there when you install, when you download it. They do it during the day. Ah, but this one they didn't, did they? They announced it straight away and said you can download it right away. And I'm sure I started it. I, I think I started it in the middle of the MacBytes Live, which was alarming. But I think I did. Um, I'd had problems with Lion and Mountain Lion. Timing out, taking forever, wouldn't connect, all that stuff. This time it went really well. I think this was what they had in mind. But I'm not sure how that went for everybody else. Because we've got a really, really good connection since then, didn't we? Stop bragging. Hmm. It is the first time we've downloaded an operating system on that connection. I'm thinking you would still have trouble, but you know, even if you've got a good connection and they're not rejecting your attempt to download it, it's going to take a while, isn't it, on a connection like that? But when yeah. they are denying you access to download it, then it can take days. So uh, we did okay getting the download sorted out. Was it all downhill from there? I don't think it was, was it? <laughs> uh, I, I hadn't done a backup. I wasn't anticipating it to be ready that night, so I had a day's worth to back up. So I backed it up first. Um, you couldn't really tell the difference. They did a lot right with the installer, I thought. It, it did, just worked. For once, it did. It didn't reset a lot of things that with other operating system updates, it did. You know where it resets your desktop and all those little settings that drive you mad. 
I think that's Windows you're thinking about. No, 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 the Mac was like that. It used to put a different desktop on there and all kinds of weird weird stuff that oh, I yeah, had to the, then... Um, not the wart. The, le- the, <laughs> the leg ulcer. The no, leg the, ulcer. the wart. Is that next year's? <laughs> <laughs> Buffalo S10 wart. Uh, yes, the leg ulcer you're referring to. I hope no one's eating the Christmas dinner whilst <laughs> listening to this. Of course they are. A priority on Christmas Day, listening to MacBytes or eating. Or listening to the Queen. Or both. Mm. <laughs> yeah, what was I saying? Oh, yes, OS 10 wart, that's right. No, no, it did. It made subtle changes to your system, and Mavericks didn't in a way. Uh, there was a few oddities, but in terms of the general look of it, rebooting thought, did it work? Because it, it looked identical. So um, go, kudos to them for that one. Um, but other than that, I did have a few issues, I must admit. You know what I'm thinking, don't you? No. I broke it. <laughs> Didn't take long. My biggest issue was um, I intended to put it on... I have a test machine. So I actually intended to put it on the test machine. And when I tried to get it on there, it wasn't having it. So I'd done the download on the machine I was sat at while we were doing the MacBytes Live. Then I made my pen drive, obligatory pen drive, took the pen drive across to the other machine. In fact, no, I don't think I did it with the pen drive. I think I transferred it on the network. Started the installation going and it went all the way through it. You know, the unpacking and all of that that takes Apple minutes It'll be 10 of them. And it was like three hours of them. Um, It did all of that. It's quite an old machine, about five years old. Went through it all. And just at the last step, it put this grey dialogue box up with a massive warning triangle in it. And uh, it was all downhill from there. It wouldn't do a thing. So that one, not so good. It was telling me the disk was corrupt um, and could even have had a physical problem. Which left me with more than a physical problem because I wanted it. I wanted Mavericks instantly. So... I did the unspeakable and uh, put it on on the machine that hadn't been backed up for 12 and a half hours. And that went quite well. It was after that that it went downhill. I'd made the decision to leave a machine on Mountain Lion. You know, know, thinking, what did it look like in the old version? Uh, The other reason I decided to leave this machine on Mountain Lion was that it's the machine that we record the show on. So it needs things like Audio Hijack Pro and Skype and stuff to be working. And just in case... And as a backup for the day job, for delivering webinars and training, I thought I'll leave it alone and that way it it won't be broken. And that was okay for about three days, I think. I think three days was all I managed. And um, the machine started running really slow. So this didn't have Mavericks on it at this stage. It was updated and that was it. Didn't have Mavericks on it. And it started going really, really slow. So I thought, hmm, not liking the look of this. Maybe it's, it does that from time to time. So first job, reboot. Rebooted and um, wasn't pretty, was it? No. No, it didn't want to know. It wouldn't wouldn't boot. It was uh, something I've seen on the internet, but I've never seen it personally. You know, when it comes up with that question mark? I, I found an operating system, but I have no intention whatsoever of booting to it. So um, that was hideous. No bootable OS. So I had to go into target disk mode, uh, get anything off for a final, final, final backup. That really set in my mind how often you back up and when you back up. And I back up overnight. So if I have a problem at 10 o'clock in the morning, not too bad. If it's five in the evening, maybe I need to back up more often. And I know that a MacBite is out there screaming by a time machine. Not happening. Um, so I was in I was in this stage where I thought, well, I'm going to have to reinstall an operating system. And you know how Apple hides stuff from you. You know, when you're going through your install and you've got lots and lots and lots of options. Now I am thinking of Windows. Well, when we went through 
operating system installs with Tiger and Leopard and Snow Leopard and Lion. There were options. Do you want to do an upgrade over the top? Do you want to do a clean install? Mavericks, not so much so. Mountain Lion, not really. So you, you, it goes through this thing and you'd really have to deep dive to find an option to say, install it alongside or put it in the same folder. I had no idea what it was going to do. So I'm thinking, do I want to put, if, if I'm going to have to build this from scratch, if it's going to wipe it, do I want to bother with Mountain Lion or should I just go to Mavericks? So it was really Apple making my mind up for me. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll just put Mavericks on it. And it was okay. So I'd done the old target disk shuffle and uh, I had a pen drive with Mavericks, installed it from a pen drive. It also helped me be absolutely certain that the pen drive was working because it did install it. And it was painless, alarmingly so. It did um, an over-the-top install and it brought a machine back from no bootable OS to completely working and it took about 20 minutes. I was really pleased with that, but I was questioning why all of a sudden Mountain Lion had just seemed to commit Harry Carey. I thought they want me to update and they know that I've bought it. You know, you know, it's in the store. You've bought it. Why haven't you got it installed kind of thing? So I was highly suspicious of what it was up to, but it worked OK. But I have heard of many others, literally at least a dozen people discussing it, that they left their machine on overnight. And, you know, the auto update stuff Yeah. where you tell it, you know, install the updates or I mean, obviously not things like operating system updates, but it wakes itself up and it does system admin things. And they've turned it, you know, they, they've appeared next to the machine the next morning, woken it up, and overnight it's installed Mavericks. Completely faceless scene. It didn't ask for a confirmation or anything. Obviously, those people, I'm guessing, would have to have bought Mavericks. But the buying process, because it's free, maybe because it's free, it's just doing it. But I've heard at least a dozen people say it's done that. And you're thinking, if you really needed a machine on an old version because of some software you're using, that's scary. They're just getting automatically updated overnight. So, uh, no, mine didn't do the automatic update. It it sort of, um, it persuaded me it needed some help and I went with it. But So, are we liking it? We're two months in, are we liking it? I'm liking it, yeah. I mean, it's, well, it is different, but I must admit I'm not taking advantage of everything. You know, for example, um, one of the big things they, they, they sold it on. Well, they didn't sell it. They gave it away. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> this is going well. <laughs> oh, the point, shall I? One of the things they mentioned was um, Command and T for multiple tabs in Finder. Um, but I've always just done Command and N to get a new Finder window. And, you know, it's, it's as broad as it's long, to be honest. Uh, I have used that. <clears throat> what I'd like to make that much more useful is to be able to save sets. Yeah, um, that would be If useful. people use something like Forklift does, does or... Does it do that? Pathfinder. Pathfinder does, and it's brilliant. Uh, Pathfinder's now got some issues, to be honest. Mm, not really sure what they could do to fix that. But um, I mean, it's working okay. It's just little oddities that, that are happening because of changes Apple have made. I would like to be able to save a set of um tabs that would be perfect yeah it would be that would be useful pathfinder does do that and you can have multiple windows and then within the windows you can have the dual pane view as well so for me pathfinder's still there for the heavy lifting but what pathfinder's doing which i don't think is pathfinder's fault per se um when you mark something you know when you right click on it and you choose a color yeah so you're you're 
the term now would be tagging it. You are tagging it, but you're tagging it with just a colour. You're not tagging it with with a tag that has a name that you've created. It though those original colours that you used to be able to use for categorization are still there. They are sort of treated the same as a tag you've created, but in other ways they're not. So when I apply one of those tags, which is now a tag, to me I was only using them as colours, so I don't have names for them. When I apply those, what I would expect or what used to happen was, OK, I've made this one red and now I've made it green. For me, what I was doing was I had yellow, orange uh, and green, I think, for, for a process that I was doing. And I made it yellow, then I made it orange and then I made it green. And what's happening now is it's applying all of those colours to it. And the thing in Pathfinder is that in Pathfinder, it's still fantastic that the last colour that I apply to it is the one that I see. And when I say see, the whole line of the file in the list of files is that colour all the way across it. If you've noticed in Finder, which I hate, gone is the line that goes that highlights the entire file. And with it, it's been, Just little dots, isn't it's it? been replaced with a tiny dot. I can yeah. barely see it and I can much less tell the distinction in the colour. At first I thought, what are you thinking? And then I realised why they'd done it. Because if you have it across the whole line, how do you apply three different tags to it and have the colours viewable? So I understand why they've done it, but visually it's getting paler and paler, isn't it? The next version is just going to be white. The text will be white as well as the background. And it's aesthetically pleasing for Johnny. But uh, no, I'm I'm still using Pathfinder for the, for the heavy stuff. But what I am doing, I'm not tagging in Pathfinder with the tags that I've created at operating system level. Because although it will apply the tag, so if I, I've got a tag called um, archive, and as I work through the day, I think, right, I've done with that now, archive, archive. Then at the end of the day, I move them off and I archive them. And the colour of that tag is... Um, probably red right if i apply that in finder it applies the tag and the color if i apply it in pathfinder it only applies the tag and not the color so things get very confusing because i use the color to see which things i'm doing you know to make the selection as well so mm, not quite all there yet but i am hoping that pathfinder don't dump the colored bar because that's i find is really useful even if it is only showing me the last color I still find that incredibly useful. So I'm with you on, I don't use the tabs um, often in Finder because like you say, I could forget. And if I'm doing something where I'm moving a lot of files, I use Pathfinder anyway. But liking tags though, not using them as much as I could be. I sit there, you know, and instead of just randomly tagging it, you know what I do, don't you? Go on. Start dreaming up these really complex taxonomies. How sad. Oh. This is how I spend my Christmas. Anyway, yes, tags, very that good. That doesn't surprise me. No, thank you. Um, so, yeah, the thing that struck me straight away was that um, the menu thing on on both windows. Yeah, I've got used to that now, although I do get confused from time to time. I'm OK with it, but there are certain apps that do weird things. Uh, they open up. I've got a lot more applications opening up on the secondary window. And I think, why don't you just remember the last window you were on? That would really help mm, me out. Yeah. Moom's available, of course, for stuff like that. So um, 
Yes, you can save a setup and then use it on a hotkey or something like that. So if you do want the windows moving from to a specific location, I can highly recommend Moom for that because it is it's seemingly random at the minute. It hasn't improved any with the first update, 10.9.1. But who knows, maybe they'll fix it. Talking of Moom, when you installed it, I was just sitting there waiting. You know what I was waiting for? No. About 17 security boxes to come flying up at you oh, and you yeah. say, what? Oh, yeah. And you did, didn't you? Cried mm. like a baby. Yet all these apps that we use, like Moom, all needed explicitly authorising, which I, I can understand. Um, it was using accessibility settings to control those elements. And I actually thought that was a bit of a pain. But OK. My problem with this was, one, they'd moved them. So now you've got two accessibility settings. But it was worse than that because I had so many of these things installed and I did an over the top installation. I was getting more than one of the dialog boxes and each one wanted me to do the same thing. Either deny the application that was requesting access or click the button that says open system preferences. So I've got all these dialog boxes sat there flying up at me and I clicked one to access the system preferences. And because I had so many requesting access to it, system preferences crashed. So every time I tried to access it, it crashed. And of course, I hadn't really looked into this thinking, if I don't allow it now, can I allow it later? So because they'd moved them to the security and privacy, privacy, accessibility, blah, 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 I had a problem trying to access it. Did get there in the end. And I was faced with a list of applications and they were the ones that had shown this security um, request. And there they all were in this list. And I'll admit, I've got a fair few of them. I use though most of the little applications that I use, the utilities, need that level of access for accessibility. The list wasn't scrollable. So picture the scene. I open the dialog box. I put my password in. There's the list in front of me. And I could only see like the top four items. And I'm dragging down. I'm scrolling my mouse. It won't move. The fix is simple. I just had to click on another tab within the system preferences and then click back. Poor attention to detail, though, because if you think I can't scroll, it won't do it, it won't do it. You think it's broken. It doesn't make a difference if you come out of the dialog box and you go and reboot. Every time you go into it, you put your password in, it won't scroll. So I wasn't impressed with that, but I did get um, all my apps configured and working back, thankfully. Couldn't work without it, would think the Mac was broken. But I did find bizarre things that it was reporting back to me multiple installs of an application for no particular reason. So I looked in my applications folder and it might have like three, three installs of Safari, but there wasn't. If you clicked on one and deleted it thinking this isn't right, it deleted all three. Did you see that? Didn't get that, but then I didn't look. Mm. It does help if you look, if you're trying to find it anyway. You know, in, in, in the realm of little niggles that drive you mad? Yeah. Mm. Have you been into the App Store and right-clicked on the big icon for an application? Can't say I have. Did you ever do it before? No. You won't find this a niggle then. <laughs> <laughs> you will. Oh, I Whatever did. it is. If I go into the App Store and I'm looking at an application, I used to be able to go to the icon, right-click, a little menu popped up, and one of the items was copy a URL. And oh, the, I you, did on the did on the iTunes one. Yeah. Well, the iTunes one still works, but in the Mac App Store, if you right click, you no longer get an option to copy the URL. The URL that it copied was an App Store link. So if I find an app and it's free, you know, so I'm looking at this app thinking, oh, that, that's a good for, uh, free app, then I'll probably tweet it. 
and I can't copy the URL. Now, I think that's a mass oversight. Why, why would you do that? You, you must have deliberately decided to take it away. It means you just can't do it. So the nearest I've come to sort of, you could take the name of the app and then Google it, but so many apps are so similar. Um, what I've taken to doing is clicking on the support link and then going out and then trying to get the app from there. But that is a pain. It will still work that if you click the icon, it's a link, but all it does is refresh the page. Can't see the point in that at all. And it's one of those tiny things that if you never do it, you'll never notice it's missing. And I guess they're thinking we mustn't make it complicated for all these normal users. The power users can suffer. It's not a power user feature to want to click and send somebody a link to an app. No. No. Well, it, it's not there. It's gone. Not happy no. with that at all. They should just build it into the menu. Send link. Yes, but then it's probably going to do something weird, isn't it? You know, by doing it via your iTunes account or whatever. And I know a lot of people don't use the email account that's on their iTunes account for security. True. So they should just put it back the way it was because that's what I want. Thank you. Yes. Um, also similar, similar uh, in terms of that, screen resolutions. I noticed when I went in that I used to have a range of screen resolutions that I could set my screen to. And I bet most people never change them. The reason that I was changing mine is when I do a webinar, you don't want to be, me to be broadcasting my 27-inch iMac screen. You wouldn't see a thing too tiny. So I tend to scale it down. I do keep it to the same ratio. Uh, there are applications that you can use like Screen Res X, which will let you set to non-native resolutions. But all I wanted to do was just make it smaller. So I either go to 1600 by 900 or 1280 by 720. And you used to have all these range of resolutions available in uh, a little window. And when I went in this time, you do have to say, um, what's the option? Let me get it up here. It's in the displays preference pane. And when you get in there, it says resolution best for display. And there's an option underneath it that says scaled. So you click in the scaled option and you used to get I think it was about 10, 12 there was, options. Yeah, there was quite a few, wasn't there? It certainly scrolled. And now on mine, there's only five. Now, as it happens, the two that I use a lot are there. So I've got my standard 27-inch iMac 2560 by 1440. I've then got 1920 by um, 1080. I've got 1600 by 900, 1344 by 756, and 1280 by 720. So the two. I, I've only got four, and I've got a couple of different ones than you. You've probably only got four because yours is set to 720 by 1080. Is that right? I've got 1920 by 1080, 1600 by 900, 1344 by 756, and 1280 by 720. Um, but the external monitor, instead of 1344, is 1360 by 768. I've got that one on my external monitor as well. Mm. So they're different by monitor and you may have, I guess, as many, as many as you may have on your monitor and probably down to like just one or two. What I found odd with that was that when I'm trying to use something non-native, I'd then have to use an app. So I, I, I thought, well, if it could do it before, why not leave the options there? And no answer to that one, I'm afraid. But in the meantime, I was, um, I shouldn't admit this, should I? I did my Windows 8.1 update. Don't oh, think yes. about that too much. I haven't done that yet. No, leave it. Well, what problem I had was I'm using Fusion for it and I had the same problem. I couldn't get a decent sized screen in my Fusion VM. So I started researching how I could fix that. And I found a really useful link. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, that if you hold the option key down 
while you select scaled displays, so I'm doing it here, make sure it works. Yes, it does. That's so cool. So you're in your display preferences pane and you have um, the radio button best for display selected. You just click in scaled, you get a restricted number of options but if you hold the option key down they all come back all the possible natively supported options come back which was a huge thing now i've got i've got all sorts right down to 800 by 600 which is not native at all to this machine so good tip there i'll put a link to that i got that from the vmware fusion community um, all to do with Windows. And, and I thought, I wonder if this works. And what they were saying was, if your screen isn't the right size, your Windows display won't be right. So it didn't actually solve the problem I had at that point. I fixed that a different way. But it did show me that there was an option available in the system preferences to get back all the lovely options that you had before. So handy one there. Bet I found something else you've not noticed as well. Go on. It's a good one, this. Do you remember that little rant about the sidebar? They changed it in a lion or mountain lion. You could drag an item to it and you used to be able to drag an item off it. But oh, when you try you need to hold um, you, well, No, no, no. Option. It just twanged back. And you, you, if you dragged it off, it twanged back. You needed to hold down, was it option, option or command? Yeah. Guess what? What? You think they fixed it, don't you? Yeah. Now I'm going to be a happy bunny. Not quite, but it's clever. Go on, get a finder window up. I'll talk you through it. I've got to find a window up. I was about to drag something off, and then I thought, if they fixed it, I'll lose it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so but you only, on. you only lose the link. Don't panic. Go Don't on. panic. Right. You add an item just by dragging and dropping it to the, to the finder sidebar. So oh. that's the first thing. You just okay, drag and drop right. it. Done that. You've done that bit. Great. Right. Now, if you just pick it up, so yeah. select it, and drag it slightly off, yeah. hold fractionally, yeah. do you see the little puff of smoke next to it? Yeah, I've got to drag it to the toolbar area to minimum. No, 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 no. What I'm saying, no, 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 you're cheating. You're not listening. You're not listening. I'm suggesting you drag it slightly and then try and let go. And you don't have to drag it to the toolbar area. It's just a matter of holding it fractionally. Now, a quicker way to do it is to just drag it further. So when you say to the toolbar area, it doesn't have to be the toolbar area. It just has to be further away from the sidebar. Right. Okay. Got it? Yeah. Yeah. Now I've Oh you you've broken something else, haven't you now? No, 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 no. If I drag it within the grey sidebar area, I don't get the puff of smoke. As soon as I hit the dividing line between the sidebar and the the um the the file list. The file list, yeah, I was I was gonna say alternate coloured lines. Then you get the puff of smoke and then it's gone. No, you don't. Now you see we're arguing now. Right. You get the puff of smoke because you do it slowly. But I do everything at breakneck speed. Well, that's so, you, isn't it? Yes, it is. So go over to the sidebar, grab hold of the thing and drag it quickly and let go. So to exactly the same place you were doing, but really quickly. And it doesn't delete it. No. No. No, it's the speed of it. So either you have to pull it much further away and yeah. then it, it obviously realises that you really mean this or drag it and wait still annoying to me if you can drag it on you should be able to drag it off because right. it doesn't stop you adding items it doesn't make you wait a second to add an item it just adds it it's when you come to take it away so if you do it quickly it won't do it but if you do it fractionally slower you can do it quite close if you want to do it quicker drag it further away and then let go yeah. and now well, it will i just i just drag it further away and let go but i'm just used to that 
Well, I do that. I drag it further away and let go. I, I won't wait. Good grief. I can't wait 0.0001 mm, of a second. No, we know it. I've got work to do. It's yeah, so that, that was an improvement. I am impatient. Yes, I'm known for right. it. Uh, like that. That, that, was a, that was a positive, that. That was a positive. Okay. Should we talk about iBooks now? Go on. Oh, dear. <laughs> not good. Uh, I think I'm going to leave it at not good. It's horrible. What were they thinking? I discussed this at length in a webinar, uh, which is available on the site if you want to go and have a look at it. Where do I start? It's so terrible. I actually like my books where they were. I loved them in in iTunes. <clears throat> iTunes itself, absolute pain. But I could manage my books in the same way I could manage my music. So they were all organised. And the first thing it did, it, I couldn't stop it doing it. That was another thing. It was going to do it from either end. You go to iTunes, it's going to shove them in iBooks. Or you go into iBooks, it's going to extract them from iTunes. And it did. It put them on my main hard drive in a hideous location and renamed the lot. And, as if that wasn't enough because I've got an SSD and I need the space, it uncompressed them as well. I know, they're now indexable, but it's useless. Hideous absolutely hideous. I wrote a blog post on it and I'll put a link to that as well and um, got some people coming back saying oh I thought it was just me. It's it's hideous I can't use it. I'm not using it and I must admit neither am I now um, what I've had to do because I just don't have the space on my main hard drive. Um, I did try I shouldn't admit this because it didn't go well. It certainly didn't end well what I did was I put a symbolic link in thinking ha beating you into submission with a stick and uh, no, it beat me into submission with a stick. A symbolic link just corrupted the entire application. Do you remember that day? Yes. And I said to you, I might I have to re. I think I've broken it to the point I might have to reinstall <laughs> Mavericks. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't good. Um, I actually managed to fix it somehow, didn't I? I think I. More by I luck than good judgment. Oh, it was. I tried everything that should work and it didn't. So I left it alone and I thought, well, I won't be using it anyway. So I went off in a sulk. And then I came back and to try something else and it fixed it. But what happened was I, I'd lost half the books. They were backed up, don't panic. But I, I lost the stuff that wasn't from the iBook store. So the things that I'd put in myself, my own ebooks, in in the in my aborted attempt, I'm afraid, to fix what I perceived to be a problem with it, it got lost. But it did fix itself because what it was doing was every time I came to open iBooks, it went back to the importing your iBooks thing and it just got itself lost in a loop. If you're going to try and fix it with a symbolic link, make sure you're backed up first. It doesn't, didn't work. It did not work. Um, and it, it corrupted everything. So don't try that. They haven't really done much in the way of improving that. So what I've had to do is delete the books um, that weren't from the iBook store and download the books from the iBook store as and when I want to use them and then delete them. Because my books, I think I had about 30 gig and it uncompressed them. So it wanted 80 gig of space for some of these books. I just don't have that, which is why it's stupid. Apple, that's stupid. You let me put my iPhoto library and my iTunes library somewhere else. How many books do you think I've got? Three? Bad, bad news, bad news. So not happy with that at all. Not using it. Love the idea. Love the idea of it. I can use it one at a time. Not really how it was intended, was it? I no. built a library, but you can only read one book <laughs> at a time. <laughs> Could have been better. But at least my disaster wasn't quite as bad as yours. No, I've had a couple of uh, interesting issues. Is interesting the right word? Catastrophic, I'd have thought, but carry on. Yeah. Um, with my phone... Uh, Probably happened to my iPad as well, but I don't 
um, actually update it to, to see. I updated my iPhone to iOS 7.0.3 a few weeks ago now. Um, I think I've updated it to iOS iOS 7.0.4 um, and it hasn't fixed this problem but uh, yeah I updated my iPhone I updated the Mac to Mavericks I updated iTunes to the latest version and one of my weekly tasks is to update the apps in iTunes I do that every week weekly weekly yes <clears throat> sorry yes I think I had about 55 updates the other day <laughs> Yes, I know you do it. I only update about five times a day. I was going to say, I know you do it about every hour. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway. So Can I just say mine isn't broken? <clears throat> it's got nothing to do with that, and you know it. Okay. <laughs> it's just bad luck on my part. Um, yeah, nothing to do with the frequency of updates. Right, yeah, where was I? Yeah, so I updated... He said in self-justification. Yeah. I, <laughs> am I going to tell this story? If you like. Or is this going to be like... You can try. Is this going to be like the two Ronnies? Stretch yeah, out that'll do. a couple mm. of weeks. Um, I plugged my iPhone into my Mac to sync as I normally do, and then the sync process begins. And you've probably seen it yourself up at the top in the, the sort of progress area. It'll say step one, step two, etc., where it backs up, determines which apps to sync, and it was going along quite nicely. And then it just cancelled the sync. It just said cancelling sync. I'm saying nothing. Mm. Being good. So I tried this two or three times. Exactly the same result. I unplugged the iPhone and I looked at my phone and there was lots of apps in what what I call a waiting state, you know, underneath each app. Suspended animation. Yeah. Underneath each app where it's got the name of the you app. You can see me, but you can't use me. Yeah. Ha! Exactly. That, that mode. Exactly. It says waiting. Now, you can't use it, as you say, so you can't tap on it and it run. You can't actually delete it off the phone at that point. Because if you try and tap and hold to get the, the cross and, and the jiggling icon, it that doesn't appear. So you can't update them, you can't delete them, you can't use them. They're basically unusable. Now, I eventually solved it by plugging the phone back into the Mac, running iTunes, dragging a random app that wasn't already on the phone over to the phone, and then running sync again. And after that, I was able to successfully sync several times, but without warning, the problem surfaced again recently, and I've still not been able to fix it. So, no, you've spent quite some time pricing up Android devices. <laughs> yeah, mm. I, I, I seriously <laughs> considered it. Um, <laughs> it's happened to me as well, but not quite as catastrophic as you. Yeah, the, the the funny thing is last week I, I decided to do an over-the-air update. I had about 40 updates and that was fine. No problem at all. Well, I did go through and I know a lot of other people that I follow on Twitter were going through as well. In iTunes, it was saying there was no updates. There's no updates, no updates, no updates. And I thought, this is odd. This is odd. But I've got a couple of my devices set to automatically update over the air and they were updating quite happily. So it was just that iTunes wouldn't update. So maybe your over-the-air updates were working but plugging it in yeah. it didn't I work think so. but it shouldn't it shouldn't have, have put the thing into that state where you couldn't actually access it it should just have said there were no updates yeah. so there was an knock-on effect of this wasn't there yeah um my second problem again that only surfaced after i upgraded the phone to ios 7 and the mac to mavericks and the latest itunes i decided to change the music on my iphone so I decided, you know, I'm, I'm bored of this music. I'll put some other place. Bored of the Goombay dance band? I was going to put the Goombay dance band on, but events overtook. <laughs> no wonder the phone has took exception <laughs> yeah. to it. So I, uh, I 
I did what you'd expect. I plugged the phone into the Mac. I ran iTunes. I deselected some playlists. I selected some other playlists and I hit sync. And all was going OK until I got the message waiting for changes to apply. Uh, waiting for changes to be applied, I think it is. Um, now, this is normal, but it never displays that message for more than uh, a minute or so, probably even less. And it just sat there and it sat there and it sat there for about five minutes. So I did what I did with the apps. I unplugged the phone, I cancelled the sync, I tried it again and it kept failing at the same place. So I did some research and I found that many other people have got the same problem. There's a lot of forum threads about it. And on the Apple support forum, there's actually a 48, 48 page thread with over 700 replies. Can I just say, I'm glad the Mount Bites teeth are doing well this Christmas. Carry Thank on. Thank you. <laughs> Put me off now. Um, there were lots of solutions suggested um, from reinstalling iTunes to doing a harder reset on the phone, uh, wiping the phone, to even turning off Find My Phone. And that's going to affect the music. Well, I wondered that, but I tried it anyway, and it didn't work. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 I certainly wasn't going to wipe the, the phone, although I might end up doing that. So I thought that I would be stuck without music and audiobooks on my iPhone. What I did is I charged up my 3G to use that as a music player. But Those were the days. The days when your iPhone worked. Yeah. The thing is, okay, you know, I've got my iPhone 4, which I use as my phone and you know, my mini computer, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I've got my iPhone 3G, which is primarily used as a, a, a music player. But it's just bulky carrying around two phones with me whether it's in the car or whether it's one in each pocket when I'm out walking the dog or whatever I would just prefer to have yes I'm lucky I've got two phones but I would prefer to be able to have it all on the one phone you'd like what you bought and paid for to work yeah. the way they said it would yeah that's a good way of putting <laughs> unreasonable it. now you came up with an alternative suggestion didn't you I did Good Reader. Good Reader, yes. Good Reader, for those that don't know Good Reader, it's an app that I've had installed on my iPhone and my iPad since virtually the day I got my devices. It's, it's quite hard to explain what it does, but it can be used to open many different file types, including audio, video, PDF, text, and even Microsoft Office files. We could actually spend a long time talking about Good Reader. So this I'm sure we have. I think we have, but this I don't think this is the place to deep dive it. No. Um, I can go and find the link for where we did talk about it. And I'll put that in the show notes. But Good Reader can play MP3 files, so that's my music sorted. What it can't play are the .aa files, and they're the ones that you download from Audible. But you can get around this by converting an AA file to an M4B file, um, which the benefit of this over the MP3 is that it retains the chapter markers, uh, which you tend to have in audiobooks, and it remembers your listening position when you return to uh, next return to the book. So those were my two problems. So I haven't solved either of those problems yet. And if anybody else has had those problems and anybody else has found a fix, please let me know. You can and create if, a support group. Yeah, I was going to say, if you haven't found a problem, then let me know anyway. <laughs> uh, if, if, if you haven't found the fix, let me know anyway. And uh, we can support each other. You can hold hands, sit round a fire and sing Kumbaya. Oh, yeah. Lovely. Uh, not too sure about the legality, you know, of converting your AA to an M4B. Because the AA actually has audible um, DRM on it. 
Not quite sure why there's DRM on it at all, to be honest, because Audible are owned by Amazon and Amazon stuff doesn't have DRM on it. But the Audible files do. You can't even uh, play an Audible file on a device unless the device supports the Audible DRM. Uh, the, what you talk about by converting it, if you Google converting Audible files or ripping the DRM off an Audible file, you'll get a million solutions and suggestions. Most of them work in real time, which means they expect you to play it, record it, and then you've got another one. So you can do it, but it's a slow process to get the DRM off it. You're quite right about the M4B and... I'm sure way back I had some files that I'd ripped myself from CDs, um, audiobooks, and they were split into like uh, little chunks, you know, like five minute sections. Yeah. Because of how a CD worked. Um, there's a great app, name of which totally escapes me, which I'll find and put in the show notes. Or maybe we should talk about it in the future. And what it does is you can put, if you've got like, I, like I had 50 files that were all MP3s because I'd ripped them and that was like one CD full of a book, it will sort out the mess for you and uh, put in the, the correct chapters and stuff like that. But if what you've got is just one MP3 file from somewhere, I'm not saying where, I'll leave that up to you. But wherever you've got this file from, and you're thinking, well, you know, say it's an M4A file. Um, to make it an M4B, I found by far the fastest way years ago, I don't know if we mentioned this on like show number one, but I had these files and they were M4As. And I was thinking, how can I make these M4Bs? And I was looking for converters and all sorts of stuff. If you change the extension, that's it. That's all you need to do. Easy peasy. Now, on the Mac, back on t in the days of Tiger, it wouldn't have it. Even if I changed the extension, it didn't like it. But if I put it on a Windows machine, changed the extension and copied it back, it was fine. Was it uh, Audiobook Builder? Mm, there's two I've got. One's well, Audiobook Calibre. Builder. No, 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 that's for eBooks. Oh. Uh, no, one's Audiobook Builder and there's another one. But I'll find the one that I use because it's very inexpensive and uh, it does a good job. It, it processes all of the metadata. It tags it all up properly for you. You can put in a cover and it creates the right file. I tried doing it myself and I couldn't get the file as compressed at the same quality, uh, even using all the stuff I use for the show. So um, it is a very good app when I remember what it's called. And when you mentioned the DRM on Audible files, I was thinking, why have I not hit this problem? Because if there's a problem to be found, I'll usually find it. And I realised that I actually use the Audible app. So there is an app from Audible that you can install, and it's like a dedicated player for the stuff. But it means that you don't have to manage your audio files, really, your books. It's a live link to your account, so you can download whatever you want, wherever you want it. There used to be a limit on it. Um, that you could only download, I think it was over 20 meg, something like that, on Wi-Fi. But they've taken that away now. So I use the app. Um, it is very, very good. I mean, it retains your position, your play position and stuff like that. But there are certain limitations. There's no synchronization between devices. So if you happen to have, if you know, if you have two devices, maybe you listen to one in the car, one at, one at home, one at work, it doesn't synchronize. Now, within the application... And I must admit, I should ignore this. You know, gamification. 
Yeah. If you're in training, you've heard of this word. It's gamification of stuff. There's a badge system going on inside the app. So to, to tempt you to listen more, there, there's a promise of a gold badge for this or a silver badge or whatever. I think there's about 12 or 15 of these badges. And, and randomly, it will say, congratulations, you've just got a badge. You know, you've listened to 57 hours of this and you think, good grief, I need to get a life. But that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's in there. But again, because there's no synchronization between devices, if I listen to 300 hours of something on my iPad, it doesn't count towards the badges that I've got on my phone. Which makes a mockery of having the gamification to me. You know, it's like snakes and ladders. Now you're back to the beginning start again. So it could do with the synchronization between it. Um, the biggest limitation in it to me is that you can't buy anything via the app. So if I wanted to use a credit to buy something, I, I can't see a way to do that. But in terms of playing it and tracking where you're up to, um, it's brilliant because it, it does remember the last position per file. So I, I flick between um, work, literature books, usually, and my tech books. And I can go backwards and forwards and it takes me back to where I was. So maybe try the app for that. There's an app for that, you know. <laughs> And it's free, by the way. So, so if you've got if you've got an Audible account, definitely worth it. Could be better, not perfect, but you never know. I've I've certainly used that, and I don't bother transferring anything else because then I don't have to worry about iTunes. If you can possibly leave iTunes out of your synchronization system, you'll find your life much easier. So that's yes, what I've done. I'm finding that, aren't I? You are. Now, wasn't there something else we needed to talk about? Quick, stop him. He's going to say it. Say what? I work. It'll set her off. And why shouldn't everyone else suffer like we have? Good point. So, I work. Can we just have a moment's silence, please? Mourning for the productivity suite, formerly known as iWork. Thank you. Over to you. Over to me. <laughs> I can't speak, I can't speak. Oh, dear, dear, dear me. What can I say? I made rash promises, didn't I, to Minster? You did. Mm. I should have limited that to an improvement to iWork rather than a new iWork, you know. What can I say, really? Well, it's free. Yes, yeah, so let's get, to get something positive out there first. Is it dumbed down? What do you think? Is it dumbed down? Um, You've suffered, haven't you, listening to me? It's lacking in features. It was... It, it was surprising what they'd done with it. Well, you know, it was, given they've had five years to fix it. Five years to fix all those little things. And and boy, have I have I told them over five years what they need to do to make me happy. you think they'd want to satisfy me, wouldn't you? Mm. Mm, strange boys. Uh, well, I read two headlines and, and, and it just cracked me up. Uh, one's, one was to the effect of um, Microsoft are rubbing their hands together in glee at what Microsoft have done. Um, what Apple have done. And the other one said, uh, Microsoft should be wary. Apple are now on their tail. And I thought, well, they can't both be right. Mm, true. You think Microsoft would be worried? No, not at all. No, I don't think so either. I get why Apple have given it away free. Totally understand that. But I'd rather pay and have some features. Once something goes free, that's why... I mean, can you imagine they were charging for this? And they took all those features away. They'd have got a lot more grief than they did. That's true. Because all, all I'm seeing from people is, when I complain, yes, but it's free. And it's what I've got invested in what I've used so far. And I would really, seriously, rather pay for it. Luckily, I have an Office 365 subscription. And the, this piece that was saying, you know, Microsoft should be warned, Apple are giving it away for free, 
Microsoft don't have to worry. There is no comparison between the two. There wasn't before in terms of power features. I know you've said this about Excel, haven't you? Yeah. But now it's things like mail merge. Is it, is it important they take mail merge away? Does it matter? How often do you mail merge? I don't mail merge a lot, but um, you can use mail merge. Well, I was going to say you can use mail merge for quite a number of things that are actually not what it was originally designed for. But, you know, you're then going back to power feature, power user features. Well, I did. Um, when, when we have a MacBytes Live, I tend to make um, a bingo card where we all have a laugh. And all of the bingo cards are different. And I use a mail merge to create them. And the way they'd implemented the mail merge was way easier than Office. It was fantastic. It didn't limit you to just addresses. It didn't limit you to just stuff that was in the address book. It was as flexible as you needed it to be. And to think that you've got the code there to do that and the implementation was fantastic. The interface for it was fantastic and you've taken it away. I don't understand it. I do understand the parity between iOS and the desktop. I do understand that. And I've said it before. And no doubt you'll say it again. Thank you. The interface should fit the device that the application's running on. And it should be different where it's appropriate. Because otherwise it's as stupid as making the keyboard on a Mac the size of the one on the iPhone. So we all know how to use it. it that would be ridiculous. And that's what they've done with it. I, I really don't understand it. I, I don't. And I, yes, I've heard all the apologists as well. The ones that are saying it'll be all right, they'll add all these features back. Well, why take them away in the first place then? And yes, I know the older versions are still there and I know that I can still use them. But that's not the point because there are things like um, you can't reset the file associations to map to the old version. It doesn't like it. You can, of course, send a file to the old version, but it's just making life a little bit more difficult. So I know a lot of people have uninstalled the new versions. I've, I've manfully tried to get along with them. And there are some benefits. There's also some real downsides, but I, I've tried. I have. Uh, some of the things that are missing are of no consequence, and I do understand why they've got rid of them. I bet you didn't know that animated GIF support has now gone in Keynote. I didn't know I had animated GIF support to start with. <laughs> It did. Um, I haven't used animated I, GIFs for about 15 years. No, Since they were have best I. viewed in 800 by 600 in Internet Explorer 2. Mm, or Navigator 1. <laughs> no, I, I, that isn't something that I use. And I, and I do understand why they've got rid of that. Although, having said that, there are a lot of animated GIFs out there. So if you want to use them, you're out of luck. <laughs> uh, you could always build them up frame by frame on multiple slides. No, I mustn't go into trainer <laughs> mode. Uh, so, no, that's gone. I'm not going to worry about stuff like that. But no mail merge is a biggie. Uh, no field support is a biggie. Fields were where you put in uh, data that got updated. So, you know, you put a field in the last time this was printed. Gone. No, not, not, not there anymore. One of the things that drove me insane in numbers is just little things, little things. I mean, at first you couldn't edit the toolbars. Now you can. But something that's just as annoying. Uh, I was in numbers and I have a spreadsheet set up. And it, my whole reason for using numbers was that it printed out fantastically well. Beautiful all laid out in separate tables on, on the background canvas and it was fantastic. In the footer I had the date it was printed and the page number and all of that, one on the left, one on the right. Taking all that away. You can have a footer in numbers and it just puts the page number in the middle. No you can't change the font, no you can't move it. What are you thinking? Why would you take it away again? It was already there so don't take it away. 
that stuff is is basic. It's basic. But if we're going for feature parity, we have to put up with it. So say the apologists. So can I just ask why there's no forms in numbers for the desktop then? Because there have been forms in the iPad version for three and a half years. And it's a great feature. I remember showing it you and you were like, wow, mm. I can think of uses for that. Real practical uses. And it's not there. Ridiculous. So you've taken stuff away from the desktop, but you've not taken the stuff that's in the iPad and added it to the desktop version. No, Why? it's feature parity downwards, not upwards. That's stupid. Mm. Mm. But it, it gets worse to be... I mean, numbers. I, As a spreadsheet goes, I know you focus on number crunching. And I want to concentrate on getting that information out of there in a meaningful way and being able to find the information, navigate, work with the information. Numbers had a huge benefit in my mind, which was it had a sidebar. And in the sidebar, there was an entry for every canvas and underneath the canvases, there was an entry for every table. Gone. Completely gone. Why? Oh, it's, there isn't room on an iPad screen, so we'll just lose it. But that was one of its best features. It was fantastic, that. So I took one look at numbers and I've got business spreadsheets in there. Um, I've got I've got tracking, what I call tracking spreadsheets that, that track stuff like vouchers, you know, when I put them on the account and how much should should be in the account. And they were in Keynote. Um, good grief, I'm as bad as Tim Cook. Uh, they were in numbers. And I could never think of putting them anywhere else. But having seen the new numbers, they're now in Google Drive. That's not good, is it? <laughs> That's not a good advert. The reason they're not in Excel is I'm not 100% sold on having them available on all my devices via SkyDrive, but I'm sure one day they'll get there. So really, the sidebar, it was fantastic. It even had the overview. Do you remember the thing I showed you in the bottom right left-hand corner? Yeah. Where it had a range of features, um, functions. So it had sum, average, min, max, all down there in the bottom. All you had to do was make a selection. And instantly, it was like a dashboard. It was like a built-in dashboard. Gone. Totally gone. So they ripped out all the use useful features, uh, left what was left, broke them. And that was about it, really, wasn't it? So numbers dead to me, I'm afraid. They're going to have to improve that greatly to tempt me back. Didn't like that at all. And, and Keynote, my beloved, my beloved Keynote. Not only did they not fix things like it remembering settings. So one of the things I do all the time is export slides as graphics. I do that to put them on websites, to pass them off to clients, to have a look at all sorts. Um, it, I think it's on the share menu, wasn't it? It was I on the think, share menu. Yeah, and on one the of the things was you can choose the file format that you use. You can also choose which slides you export. And that was key to me. So I might choose slides 10, 12, 15, or I might choose a block of slides, slides 10 to 20. And I just want to export those slides. And I, I will choose what file format I want. And I'll tell you what I do. I'll, I'll export between 1 and 12 slides at a go into TIFF format. Simple. My complaint was it didn't remember my preferred format, nor did it remember the slides, which I may want to export repeatedly within a session. Don't expect it to remember it across sessions, but within a session would be nice. Never did that. So I came to do it and I, I tried it and I thought, oh no, and they've not fixed it. They obviously don't think it's broken. So no, that's still the same. But what was worse, a million times worse, was that when I exported it, I thought I must have made a mistake. So I've got a hundred slides in a presentation. 
Hey, it's a long presentation. My, my presentations are great. So 100 sites in this presentation and I wanted to export 10 of them. So I chose the 10. I said, you know, from 90 to 100, whatever. And it exported a lot. And I thought I mustn't have ticked the right box there. So I went back and I did it again. No, I can tell it to export whatever I like. And what does it do? Export the lot. When you've got a lot of slides in a presentation and you want them exported as TIFFs rather than JPEGs or PNGs, that takes a long time. To the point, it's actually quicker to make a new presentation, drag and drop the one slide into it and export that. That's not a workflow improvement. That's broken. That is broken big style. It's as if the dialog box is there and you can put your input, but it's not wired up. You remember when you were learning VB? And yeah. you were thinking, oh, I can, I can put, put controls on this form. And then, then you previewed it, didn't you? And nothing was wired up. Mm. But you could click the buttons. Nothing happened, but you could click the buttons. Well, it's like that. And I'm sure I mentioned that to you. And what did you say the other day? I can't remember. What did I say? I've just tried exporting this oh, one yeah. slide and it's exported them all. And what did I say between expletives? Mm. I told you that. Yeah. And you said, no, I thought it only just didn't remember the settings. No, it's doing it totally wrong. But in relation to exactly the same option. So you could think, well, they've just, they've broken it inadvertently. They didn't intend to. They've, it's something they've not looked at. No, that's not right. Because exactly the same feature. Here's what I want to do. I've got 20 slides. I'm going to export the lot. So I do. It now puts them in a folder. It didn't do that before. But better than that, each individual graphic has the same finder tag as the original Keynote file. There's attention to detail. So if I've tagged my presentation, next presentation, which I do, when I export these graphics, every one is tagged next presentation. So they have touched this, they have thought about this, and they just forgot to wire the dialog box up. Not impressed. Nor did they fix it with the first update. So um, some considerable room for improvement there. Other things that I do with it that I think pretty important. When you copy something from one slide, where do you want to paste it on the second slide? Same place, probably. Exactly. Nothing worse than those vector-based apps that when you paste, it pastes in the middle of the canvas, because then I've got to go and move it back to where I wanted it. And I would have thought on a slide that was obvious. If I copy something from the lower right-hand corner, odds are when I paste it in, I want it in the lower right-hand corner. It does paste it in, the lower right hand corner if that's where you copied it from as long as there is no element of the graphic overhanging the slide now you may think well why would you have something that was overhanging a slide well if you've ever seen any of the, the posters for the webinars and training that i do there's a banner in one of the corners it could be any one of the four and it's got the time and date on it and that is on a coloured background that overhangs the slide. So now I can't copy and paste those. So I have a library of items that I want to copy and paste onto a slide. And unless they're actually pixel for pixel, all on the slide, it doesn't copy and paste them into the right place. And again, they've thought about this because there is a better placement of the whole Keynote canvas. Now, when you come into Keynote, the canvas is centred. Originally, it was... Uh, flush to the top and flush to the left but now it's centered which is a huge improvement yeah but so why does that matter well when you're working with a slide you may have some animation you see me put animation on elements on a slide yeah something like magic move yeah well if what you wanted to is to have an element appear on a slide so maybe like fade in yeah 
then you're fine. You'll put it in the place you want it and then move it about the slide. But sometimes you want to have an element kind of walk into a slide. Do you know what I mean? Animate its way onto the canvas. Yeah. So the actual element starts life off the canvas, off the slide. Right. Um, and it was great as long as you wanted it animated in from the right onto the slide or from the bottom of the slide and, and come in to the slide upwards. You could animate it from the top down and the left in, but you can't see the the item on the canvas at all. You couldn't see it slightly off the slide, but on the background canvas. So it could be done. But what you what I used to do with that, if I needed to animate something on from the left, I put the animation on and everything, got everything right, checked it all, and then dragged it off. And you were dragging it blind. You literally picked up the element, dragged it over to the left where you get the thumbnails and keep going. And you were accessing the full grey canvas, but you couldn't see it. So not ideal by a long way. So moving that canvas Moving the slide to the middle of the canvas was a great move. But again, you know, you've thought about it and now I can't paste in place. What are you thinking? There's no way to paste in place either. There's no there's no hooks that I can use, no little application that I can use that will that will paste it where it came from, if you will. And don't get me going about presenter view. It's a complete disaster. Does presenter view really matter? What? <laughs> um Yes, because when you're presenting, it's the only thing that you can see. You get your slides on on one screen and you've all you've got to control the entire thing is your presenter view on the second screen. So it needs to be configurable. What you've got at the moment is you've got another copy of the slide that, that's on the screen. Now, if you're presenting to if you're presenting face to face, so you've got your little lectern in front of you and your little clicker thing. You've got one of those, haven't you? I have. Laser pointer thingy. Then you want to be able to face the audience and you want to look at your um, your what's it's a desktop, isn't it? Um, a dashboard. Yeah. Controlling it. You want to be able to know what slide is on the screen behind you without turning around to look. I hate presenters that do that. Drives me insane. So this presenter view has the current slide. It has next to it the next slide or the next build. I completely understand that. I do completely understand that. Your notes are on there and there's some clocks on there and you can turn these elements on and off but you can't move them. What it used to be was completely configurable. You could resize them, you could move them, you could hide them, you could add extra bits on. It was fantastic. Now that's gone, if I'm presenting live and I've got my screen behind me, then fine. The dashboard I've got in front of me is adequate. It's not configurable, but it's adequate. But I present in webinars all the time. I'm looking at two screens, my main screen that has the slide on it and my secondary screen that should be my dashboard. And oh, guess what I've got on it? Another copy of the slide that's on the other, the other screen. Brilliant. What do I need to see it for? Mm. I don't. So I used to hide it. I didn't need it at all. And it gave me more room for the things that did matter to me in a webinar. So they've made Keynote what they think it needs to be. And they're not thinking about how people are using it. So many people I've heard of that are screaming blue murder about the presenter view. And I thought like you, maybe people are happy with a simple presenter view and they just want the presenter view to be the same all the time. But that's not what I'm hearing. I think people do like the customization and configurability that you get. 
particularly depending on the circumstances in which you're presenting. And it feels as though when I look at it, you've not actually spoken to anybody who did, who does this for a living, have you? You've just added in a presenter view because PowerPoint's got one, so we'll stick one in. And no. And if you remember, you remember when I talked about the new version of Office for Windows 2013? Yeah. I said they've done amazing things with PowerPoint. Finally, they've taken a leaf out of Apple's book and you can configure the presenter view. Mm. So what do Apple do? <laughs> Microsoft's got that now. We'll take it away. <clears throat> I must take my medication again, mustn't I? Yes. My nerve pills for using eye work, I really must. Calm down, dear. It's only a software package. What? <laughs> it's my favourite. Well, it was. Oh, God. I'm, I'm persevering with it, people, and I'm seeking treatment. But I'm hope I'm... All I can do, when I say I'm hoping, all I can do is wait the obligatory two years for Apple to catch up with what I want. Mm. But if in two years we get back to where we should have been now, then I'm still two years behind. I've missed out on two years of fabulous updates. They're not going to put... If they spend two years putting back in what was there in a better way, cue the apologists, in a better way, they're still not adding the features that I've been saying it needs for five years already. When's the next version of PowerPoint out? Soon. Oh, it's a sad, sad day, I'm afraid. Anyway... On to feedback and comments. Yes, we heard from McJim. Um, he was talking about these... McJim the Real? Yes, McJim the Real, yes. Apologies for that, McJim the Real. Um, he was talking about these hackings. We discussed that in the last episode, didn't we? Oh, yes, that was my credit card, wasn't it? That's that Adobe quite liberally spread across the internet. That's Very the kind one. of them. Yes, he said, I've had to change my passwords and email addresses so many times in these last few months. It's getting me mad enough to bite the head off a haggis. I think that summarises my attitude, doesn't it? <laughs> Do you want to buy the head off a haggis? I was thinking of doing something unmentionable to, um, what was his name? The idiot at Adobe. Oh, yes. Okay. No names. Um, he also says, what's happened to the imposter McJim? Oh, yes. We've not heard from McJim the not real. We haven't. The imposter, not for a while. We haven't, no. But I know he's still there because I follow him on Twitter. I wonder if McJim the real's on Twitter. And if he is, why doesn't he follow me? We also... These are the important questions that I need to ask, you know. We also heard from Nick, and I don't know what this is in relation to. I do. <laughs> Nick is eagle-eared and incredibly sage in his advice. He, um, in the last show, he quotes Mike. Mike's wrong answer to Elaine's statement. Am I getting old and boring? Mike, mmm. And Nick says, Mike, we need to have a one-on-one -on -one safety chat. Very sage advice. Well spotted, Nick. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. What can I say? He's scared. He's running scared. Yes. Yes, that's why I don't want to say nice. Um, Jane, we heard from Jane, who was talking about Get iPlayer Automator, requiring a proxy when using outside the UK, which I think you mentioned on the last show. No, I think I did. And she says that when she lived in Australia, which of course was until earlier this year, she used to get iPlayer Automator regularly to download BBC programmes from the UK and didn't use a proxy and had no problems. And now, of course, that she's in the UK, she has access to the wonderful iPlayer app on my iPad. 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 <laughs> it's the teeth. <laughs> What's an iPad? Enabling her to watch TV whilst practising my extreme ironing duties in whichever room takes my fancy. I can't talk about ironing. It would upset me too much. Mm. Is the iPad, have you, have you just... Um pre-released what Apple are talking about next year. <laughs> Maybe I have. The iPad, it's a foot paddle for your iMac. <laughs> well, it'll go well with the eye tit. <sighs> Calm down, put the teeth back in and carry on. Okay. Right. 
Advent with Mac Bytes. Uh, yes, thank you to everyone who supported our Advent with Mac Bytes. Whether you bought a video or joined in with our behind the scenes quizzes, your support is very much welcomed. So thank you. There'll be more news from behind the scenes over the coming weeks, including Elaine's Christmas shopping adventures, the peas and her running with Tesco's. You see, I would go through this today, but I'm still on edge with it slightly. <laughs> and I've got to wait for the outcome of the ASBO, obviously. And we've but... run out of time. Yes, there's that as well, isn't it? Because it's never going to get edited out at this rate. But that's it for this episode of Mac Bites. We would like to take this opportunity to wish each and every one of you the most amazing Christmas. And as Mike says, thank you for all your support this year. It's not been an easy one here at Mac Bites headquarters and we're missing one at our table this year. But we're blessed with a lot of friends and that includes you guys. So really do have a good one. And as always, we love to hear from you. So send your questions, your comments, your queries by email to macbitesuk at gmail.com. Use the contact form on the website or send us an audio file. You can always leave a comment on the show notes at macbytes.co.uk. And don't forget to keep sending in your Mac Love Bites. I've got a classic one coming up, I really have. Leave us a review on iTunes or like us on Facebook and circle us on Google+. Plus. Google+, Plus. have you been at the eggnog or something stronger? I'll have you know, Google Plus is coming of age. Might not be there next week, but hey-ho. Anyway, sign up for the newsletter at macbytes.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash macbytes. You can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash macbytesiri. But until next time, this has been Elaine and Mike bringing you Macbytes. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. Have you finished the wrapping yet? Never mind the wrapping. I've been busy setting a 5am alarm call for these two to publish the show. They'll sleep through it. They won't. I set the alarm sound to be Kevin Wilson singing Hey Santa Claus. That's not exactly safe for work, is it? What do I care? I'm on holiday.